Welcome back to Look Ma No Hands. I am your host, Laura Max Rose, and today I am bringing you Stephanie Jordan, the astrologer with Higher Self Communications in Los Angeles. I had the honor of having a reading with Stephanie for the first and only time in November on my birthday last year. And this was a gift from my husband who also had a reading with her on his birthday. Her insight was absolutely life-changing, not just about my own life, but about the world that we live in. And ever since I did that interview, I have wanted to have her on here to share some of what she shared with me that just changed my perspective for the better and gave me so much hope and optimism about this world, even in such an uncertain time. So we did this interview on her phone system, which she uses for all of her astrology readings. So the sound quality probably isn't quite where you're used to, but if you listen to it for a few minutes, you do start to get used to it. And I can promise you the information that she shares is worth it. So we start off this interview talking about how we met and what she does and the basics of astrology. So I personally did not really know anything about astrology until I had my first reading with her. And there was still so much I learned from doing this interview. And then from there, we get into all of the really great juicy questions that so many of you sent me and that I had for Stephanie. So without any further ado, here is Stephanie Jordan with Higher Self Communications. I'm Laura Max Rose, mother of two, and you're listening to Look Ma No Hands, my candid dispatches from the front lines of motherhood. I ask the real, tough, honest questions on motherhood-related topics that we're all wanting to know more about, in hopes it will make everyone's journey fulfilling, easier, and more joyful. If you're not a mom, welcome! I want you to know how happy I am that you're listening and that these topics can be applied to any season of life. I'm grateful you're along for the ride. Stephanie Jordan, I would call you our family astrologer. Welcome to Look Ma No Hands. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I have wanted to interview you, honestly, since you did my first ever reading and my only reading from you um, last year on my birthday, so in November. Um, a friend of my husband's had an appointment with you, and um, he told my husband, you know, he had to make an appointment with you. And um, my husband came home after talking to you and after you read his chart for the first time, and he shared all these things with me that you had shared with him from looking at his chart. And it was amazing because there were so many things that um, you knew from looking at his chart that I would have no way of knowing, but they just felt true in my soul. Like everything sort of just made sense, and I thought, yes, that's it. Um, and I, I, I was honestly a little nervous about having my own appointment with you. When I was growing up, my mom had an astrologer, and my mom would sort of share all these things that she learned from her astrologer by proxy, and um, I probably misinterpreted some of them, but needless to say, there was something about knowing the future that scared me a little bit, which I'm sure is somewhat of a common fear, um, but my husband, as many of you know, did not take no for an answer and told me that I had to talk to you, and I'm so glad that he did, um, because my appointment with Stephanie honestly was a huge turning point in my life. Um, I had it after a very... Um, I was in a pretty shaky place. I had just had my second daughter, Violet, about eight months prior, and I was navigating a really uncertain time, and I learned so much about myself in that appointment that I would have no other way of knowing, and it just launched me into the direction that I was headed in, but with so much more confidence. Um, I'd already started this podcast, but it helped me get clear on why I was doing it and why, I was, why it was important, and um, so much about why I am the way that I am and what all of 
what it means. Like you could have all the therapy in the world, but there are things you can learn from astrology that are just totally mind-blowing as I learned and as I'm so excited for Stephanie to share with you. So things just started clicking in my head. And um, after having that appointment, I found myself constantly sharing things with my friends, starting with my astrologer said this or said that. And I just wanted to tell everyone about all of what I had learned and um, knew very quickly that I really wanted to have Stephanie on. And lately, it just seems like there's such an elevated interest in understanding the world around us. There's so much uncertainty. So it makes a lot of sense that um, people are perhaps reaching out um, for ways of understanding the world around them and themselves in ways that they might not not have previously, which I think definitely includes um, astrology. So I'm so happy to finally welcome you, Stephanie, and let's just start from the very beginning. Um, when someone comes to you and they give you all their information, their birthday, the time they were born, the place they were born, and you look at their chart for the first time, what is it that you're looking for? First, I have to say I'm so impressed that your mother had an astrologer. Like, wow, <laughs> that's pretty great. <laughs> it is. I mean, it was a lot. She had me when she was 41, so she was, like, pretty old. That was in 1988. Yeah. So that was pretty – there were always – Change like, of life, baby. Echoings. Yes. Right. Yeah, there were always echoings of astrology, and, like, she had a psychic hairdresser, apparently, who gave what? her a lot of insight. Yeah, isn't that funny? It was always – and then I, like – I don't know why I never pursued any of that, but I had a friend, like, insist, met a psychic in Salem, Massachusetts um, in, what was it, of must course. have been 2013, right, of course, in Salem, Massachusetts, and he was like, you have to meet with her, she's amazing, and so I went, and she told me, like, you're about to meet your husband, and I met Ben, like, two months later, um, and that was, like, my first sort of, okay, there's probably something going on beyond my understanding. Okay, you also need to interview know. that lady. I need to interview her. I need to find her. I don't That's know if she's accurate. still around. Isn't that crazy? I think she even, like, she didn't know his name. I mean, it was just the most She didn't have a chart from my perspective. Thing. Like, wow, very good. <laughs> she just saw me, and, like, it was, you know, and I think I, I took her very seriously. She gave me about a half an hour, I think, of guidance, and I really, I really took her to the bank on all of it, as I did with you, which I, it's so fun being on the phone with you because I haven't even gotten to... I feel like I just want to tell you, you have no idea how much my life has changed since oh. we talked in November. Like, it's just been, it's been, like, beyond anything I could ever describe or imagine, and I'm so grateful. And I think about it all the time. Um, I can't believe that that was less than a year ago. So. Thank you. Thank you. You don't always hear back <laughs> from people as to how things went, so it's nice to hear. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I can't say enough. It's been um, it's been an amazing year, and I think it has so much to do with that reading. So. Oh, well, my yeah. honor. When I first look at a chart, I'm looking, the very first thing I look at is to see if the person was born after the sun came up or after the sun went down. And if the person was born when the sun came up, you know, after dawn, then I'm going to be pretty focused on the sun and also the planet Jupiter, because that's going to be the most beneficial planet for that person if they were born during the day, and also the planet Mars, because that's going to be their most challenging planet. And if they were born at night, then I'm really, like any time after the sun went down, uh, after dusk, then I'm going to look to see where's the moon. And also Venus would be their most beneficial planet, and Saturn would be their most challenging. So the first thing is daytime 
nighttime. And then the next thing I look at is what is in an angle house. So an angle house, so the chart is broken down into 12 segments. And, and Western astrology is essentially planets and asteroids and signs, the 12 signs and the 12 houses and the relationships or the geometric aspects between them. And so when I'm looking at it, um, right after each axis point, so like, uh, and it goes counterclockwise. So right after three o'clock, to three o'clock upwards to two o'clock, that is an angle house, that's the seventh house, that's an important one. From high noon to 11 o'clock, another angle house, that's an important one. From uh, nine o'clock to eight o'clock and six o'clock to five o'clock. So essentially, uh, if you think about the directional axes of uh, east, west, and north, south, you're looking at the area that just follows that. These are the areas of the chart that have a lot of punch and they uh, cause things to happen and they set up the journey for the person and the relationships and it tells you about their home life and it tells you about the career. So there's a lot of information about what's going on in those four locations. And if they have planets there, it tells me those planets are dominant to a large extent and uh, they have to be dealt with. And you can't just favor one over the other. So if someone just has a planet on one of the polarities uh, of these four points, then that one will uh, really determine what their life is going to be like in their personality and their relationships. But if they have two, uh, and maybe one in opposition, or perpendicular, a lot of their life is spent owning what they have repressed, because usually they will, will have picked to express one side of the polarity. And so it will keep coming at them in their relationships to be owned. So if it's something uh, that they want to have conscious, then they won't know that they have it, but they'll be in great admiration of their partner or their parent or, so, or somebody else in their life. Um, or if it's something they were taught is very bad, and so they're trying to hold that down so no one will see they have that, it'll be something they tend to despise also in the partner or the parent or a stranger. And so that will keep coming at them. And so one of the things will be to look to see how can that person make peace with the planet that most likely was repressed or judged and not only be okay with that, but get that energy back, get that other side of themselves back so that they can be supported by the activity of that planet. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I hear a lot of, there's a lot of destiny that you reference in readings. And when I'm hearing what you're saying, it sort of sounds like Yes, that you were born at a certain time and the moon was in a certain place and it was day or night and these are the set of, there's a set of circumstances that you can't necessarily control, but there's also a lot that is in your hands. Is that, is that I my gathering? Um, yeah, uh, and that you pick that time. So astrology, Western astrology is coming from a place of uh, you wanted that particular date and that time and that location so that you would have the greatest opportunity to grow. So that Bro, you could expand. Of yourself. Yes. You could explore parts of yourself that you hadn't explored before. So I think when, you know, even when people might be fearful to hear about something in their chart, it's like everything that was put in front of you essentially is something that can help you become an even better version of who you are and even happier, yeah. more joyful, more fulfilled version, which is so cool. More free to be your I whole self, all of you. 
Right. All of it is there to help you get there. Yes. Essentially. Um, so how is it, one of the things that I was so blown away by when you did my reading, so I did an hour and a half reading with you, and you were able to describe the roles that people in my family have played in my life, like more perfectly than even probably I could. Um, how is it that you're able to um, describe and understand those roles even without the charts of the people in my family? Because uh, every area of the chart also corresponds to someone in the person's life. So there's an area for uh, the people that were kind of the same as us in the same situation, which would be our siblings. Uh, later that can be fellow students. Later that can be neighbors. It's something where we're all sort of sharing an experience together in some sort of contained system such as a family or a neighborhood or a school or government. Uh, then another area of the chart is mostly about mother and mother figures and another is like best friends and another is like people that we uh, work with and that we also give jobs to and who employ us. And then another has to do with partners, former partners, future partners, current partners, and it can be marriage partners, business partners, roommates. Uh, can also That same area is also our mother's mother. Uh, then there's another, and it's also enemies and people uh, we have uh, litigious relationships with. And then there's another area that has to do with the IRS and um, people who uh, deal with secret areas of our life. So it could also be surgery because not everyone's looking into our body. So it could be surgeons or it could be a spy spying on us or it could be um, someone that we have a secret relationship with. Uh, then there's another area that has to do with our teachers and our guides and gurus and authors that have changed our lives, and then another area that is father, but also uh, president and police and uh, authority figures, and then another area that's just friends in general and who we network with, and then another area that uh, dead people. So between those, uh, you, you can usually plot someone, you can find who's who um, in the chart. And it's going wow, to be I'm that like person's experience of it. Say it again. <laughs> I said my mouth is open. I'm just like amazed. It's so cool to hear that because, well, first of all, you have to tell me a little bit more about the IRS being part of my part because I'm like, I remember you going through, like, it's so funny to hear you going through the chart because it feels like it was sort of, it was like the order of my reading. You went into great detail about um, several of my past lives, but one of them specifically, which you're more than welcome, you can disclose really anything on my chart if okay. that makes it easier to answer the question. Um, so how do you how do you know what you know and how do they show up in our charts and what do they really mean? What do they really mean for us? Um, there's certain planets that have more uh, to do with past lives than others, uh, specifically uh, Jupiter and Neptune and the new planet Chiron that they spotted in 1977, although later they went back and they saw in old images that it had shown up before, but they identified it in 1977. And it has to be a, um, 124 miles in diameter to qualify as a planet, so Chiron's 128 miles, so it made it. Uh, and it's between the big planets, between Saturn and Uranus. And when it first showed up, uh, it was a comet. It had this very wobbly, erratic kind of orbit. 
And so it is associated with how we are not stable, how we wobble. And so you look to see Chiron to see what is the wound this person has brought in from their past life. And then also the signs uh, for Jupiter, Sagittarius, and uh, the sign of Pisces for Neptune. Uh, before they discovered Neptune, Jupiter uh, ruled uh, Pisces. So Jupiter was really the primary planet for past lives before they had Chiron and before they had Neptune. But now it's expanded to also include Chiron and Neptune. Uh, and you look at those, and um, also the area of the chart, the 12th house. There's 12 houses. I do a type of astrology that's based on the oldest system of dividing up the chart, which is called a house system. Uh, the original one in Western astrology uh, that they found um, remnants of being used, uh, in, like fragments of charts that showed it was being used about 100 BCE. Uh, and it just is the same as the sign. So the ascendant is the point at which the Earth was uh, corresponding to the zodiac, whatever was on the eastern horizon, that is the ascendant in a person's chart. But the complete sign makes up the house. So um, a lot of times when we look at more modern charts, more recent years, usually Placidus house system, the ascendant is the beginning of the chart. And in whole sign house system, uh, whatever the sign was is the beginning. So for instance, you have cancer rising and your ascendant is two degrees cancer. So pretty close to the beginning of the sign, but actually the beginning of your chart would be zero degrees cancer, zero minutes. So there's 12 of those, and by the time you get to the last one, that tells you a lot about what's going on with past lives in general. Chiron will tell you about the very last lifetime and the issues around that. The eighth house, this is kind of interesting to me, tells you about the next lifetime to come. So we go mm. a different area. Oh, my goodness. And a lot of people are like, what, there's another? <laughs> like, <laughs> I think when we're out of body, we think this is a very short time. No big deal. Let's jump in. You know, it'll be fun. Right. My friends right. are there. I want to be there. Um, I think now is, like, really exciting time to be alive on the earth, to be in body, front row seat, to uh, all the change going on. I'm sure we all well, thought this would be great. Yeah, what you just said is the reason why I did this interview, because you said something similar the first time you did Ben's reading, and I was like, excuse me? Like, just the way that you said it, I was like, because I had so much, I remember when you did that reading, it was way pre-coronavirus, everything, and I was really anxious, particularly about the planet. There must have been, like, a lot of hurricanes or something, and I was, I think I told them to ask you about that. And you were like, actually, the planet has never been in a better place. One of the but hardest really, things, I think, for... The planet is it's waiting for humanity to stop feeling that it's something bad on the planet. Uh, it needs humanity to uh, enter more grace in the relationship between the two because humanity's kind of gotten to this place of, um, you know, feeling ashamed for, uh, for being and for our relationship with the earth. And it doesn't get this as a co-created kind of interdependent evolution between the two. And that uh, Earth is our best friend and we're Earth's best friend. 
We're getting there. That's so beautiful. We're getting there. You feel good about, from what you know, you feel good about all that? I feel really good about it. When oh. I was first studying astrology, so I'm old, so I was studying in the 70s, <clears throat> and I was in a class with some famous astrologer that I I didn't even pay attention to who it is. I wish I knew. I would love to know now. But at the end of the class, the uh, man next to me, boy, man next to me said, so we're in the age of Aquarius, right? Like the fifth dimension is singing about. And, and so he said, um, you know, we're moving into this time of greater enlightenment that is all about celebrating the individual, but we got a long ways to go first. And so we're listening, and <clears throat> he's saying, uh, you know, first we're going to have to sort out this thing with genders. And this was like, looking back, what a futuristic thing to have said. Wow, because in the 70s, like, sort out what thing with genders is what I would be thinking. Yeah, and like, we didn't even was, use was the word a, gender that much, you know. It's like, was there even, like, a conversation about that? Well, I, I Gloria thought, Steinem was big, and so the feeling okay. was, I thought we just took care of that. We burned our bras, for God's sakes, you know, and, and then he yeah. said, and we have to deal, you know, with racism all over the planet. And again, we're like, well, didn't the Black Panthers just take care of that? So for us, <clears throat> young and just having gotten through the 60s, we're just like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> now, yeah, like we already. Yeah, smooth sailing from now on. And he said, but I can tell you this, water will be very important. So again, we're just like, mm. what does this mean? And we're going to be very telepathic because we'll all have instant communication with each other. So he didn't quite get that one right. He didn't know about the Internet. Um, <clears throat> and then he said, but uh, the real concern is going to be 2020. So to me, I'm thinking, wait, will I be alive then? And also, uh, why? What's happening then? And so the other people in the room would, were like, wait, about, what about year 2000? Year 2000 is like, ah, oh, it's no big deal. Year 2000 is fine. Uh, 2020 is going to come on the hills of the whole earth looking like it's on fire. And uh, you're going to have disappearing species and uh, a lot of unrest and dictators throughout the world. There'll be a, a lot to figure out. So we're like like Armageddon. He said, no, life will seem pretty normal. It'll seem fairly normal. Uh, but there'll be a lot going on just like what we came through. So he was referring to the 60s, and he said, well, you know, it'll be the next level of that, and great things will come from it. But uh, January 12th is when all the stuff lines up. Uh, so we were thinking, okay, this is going to be like, uh, he's talking about the planets lining up, which there was a big film then, 2001 Space Odyssey, that shows all the planets lined up. And so he's like, yeah, that's when it happens, January 12th, and it'll affect the whole world, and it'll affect the economy, and and uh, it will separate people and bring people back together closer than ever. And he said, and, and this will be everything's in Capricorn, which is about doubt and guilt and shame and uh, feeling very skeptical and loss of hope. And then things will move into Aquarius, and you'll feel hopeful and connected, and uh, you'll feel better about the world than you've ever felt before. And, and then the class ended. You know, we're just like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, I'm like dying. I'm like on the edge of my seat right now. <laughs> so at the time, uh, I mean, that had a big impact on all of us. We're like walking to our cars like, 
Wow, I just what? wanted to hear we'll be flying in our cars. You know, I just want the yeah. flying cars, for God's sakes. And so I don't want to have to deal with this. And our big conversation that we got together, that group of students we got together a few times, <clears throat> was like, what is ethical? Do we have children? Do we bring them into the situation? Like, And uh, then our regular teacher said, live your chart. Just live your chart. Don't worry about that. Let that take care of itself. Get back to now and just do your best to express what's in your chart. That's what the very wise part of you chose when it could see the big picture of what you needed to go into next. Just go with that. Did you remember that class, like, or was it recently you thought, oh, wait a second, wasn't that the class that, didn't he say 2020, or have you always thought? That have class you haunted me. That? <laughs> I was like <laughs> cursing that <laughs> class. Like, oh, I wish I'd never <laughs> been in that class. This is how weird I got. <clears throat> when I had my children, I was teaching them how to die consciously, like in the Tibetan Book of the Dead, and they were such weird children that the mothers of their friends would got together and came to me like doing an intervention of will you stop this you're freaking all the kids out and I, oh I, I was like oh I told my children not to talk about it they're like oh yeah that works I mean, can oh, you just totally. tell them about sex like every other parent <laughs> not dying consciously that's so did you find do you find because I've always wondered this like I've spoken to you besides this one time once for an hour and a half but it made me even just like the things that you just said I feel like I have this information that nobody around me really has, but it makes me feel so much better about the world that we live in. Do you often feel like you have information that other people, like, how do you live your life knowing what you know and, like, making decisions every day? Do you reference your own chart a lot? I do not. I used to. Okay. Um, but my family members want to know about their charts so much, I never have time to look at my own. I'm like, check oh, my chart, check my members. chart. Because um, I think I read something about you online, like maybe, I think it was a bio you wrote for something. It was a while ago, and you said that you, like, looked at your chart maybe to decide, like, when to buy a family pet or something like that. Does that and there's a familiar? need. Yeah, otherwise. And there's a need. Yeah, I, I scare myself. So I have this tendency to forget about all the positives that are happening. I get really focused, <clears throat> probably oh, from so the trauma of that past class, of, oh, but look at this. Oh, man, that looks like something. Um, right. Yeah. It's something I think it's good to have. Like, that's why I love having – I have an appointment scheduled with you for my birthday, and I love that. Like, once a year, I think I would probably go down a rabbit hole myself, but it's such an amazing tool. But, like, to go back to it is like frequently can be like oh you can start staring at something you're not supposed to be staring at probably it's really easy to become obsessive yeah and when course. I have students That's... in a class and one of them's obsessive I'm like mm, there's a future astrologer <laughs> That person, that person that's reading all the books on the side and can't stop asking questions and is annoying the other students, that's the one. So I will, I mean, I don't think I'm a future astrologer, but I will tell you when, like, the coronavirus hit and I had been home with my kids for a solid month with no child care, I was online looking at, like, what do astrologers have to say about what's going on right now and, like, sharing with all of my friends. I, I think I read that the planets right now, they're in, like, the same alignment that they were in, like, in World War II or something. I don't, but I remember just being like, guys, we're in for a ride, but 2021 is supposed to be amazing. I've been telling everyone that. It's, it's true. Be okay. We have a yeah. bumpy week, the second week of January, 
and hmm. uh, I don't have it oh, in front no. of me, but like I the, bet I can guess what that is, right? <clears throat> I you, you Uranus is part of the configuration, and it's Uranus is always a surprise. So we we can imagine all kinds of things, but the exact way it'll play out. I mean, you could guess away, and it probably will be something similar. <clears throat> and after... Well, it's the transition of power. Like, we, we inaugurate whomever the president is going to be, I think, in the second week of January, right? I think so. Okay. There we go. And it's a worldwide uh, experience. So, okay. Yeah. So we have, um, we have something kind of uh, a bumpy, I would say. Uh, and then after the second week of January 2021, everything starts repairing and healing, and it'll be good. Uh, we got to get through the rest of this year. There's a lot of changes in December that are wonderful, of ease for everybody, and mm. uh, like feeling they can relax. So I, I think just that alone is a lot to look forward to. It'll be very good. I <laughs> I can feel it. I, I've been like I've noticed that like all of the October, all of the Halloween stuff is out already. I think people are just like trying to skip to that time, mm -hmm. like intuitively. Like I've been lighting candles that smell like a balsam tree. I'm like ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm fast forwarding. My home is in wi fall winter. I'm I'm like done. It's hot out. <laughs> we can't go outside. <laughs> We're moving. Well, you're going to be We're really happy. Yeah. <laughs> Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You'll be ready. Um, so tell me, this is actually, I think, one of the ways that Ben got into even finding you in the first place was locational astrology. He had totally gotten into, like, where you live and how that could be good for you and less good for you, depending on your birth time. What is locational astrology? And if you're not planning on moving, um, is there any real point in finding out about other places that you could live that might be beneficial to you? There is, because you could go visit them, or you could buy a second home there, or you could know to avoid those um, places. or uh, And sometimes in the chart, because the energy of the planet is so, of that particular planet is so activated on Earth that when you are there, it helps to clear all the obstacles uh, that are in the way of giving that conscious expression. <clears throat> so you go there and uh, you feel changed. There, there's like turning point uh, places on the earth and there's different ways of doing it. Like one is to project the chart onto the earth. That's one way. Another is where you take a, a prescribed area and you uh, project the zodiac onto it. It's like, I think it's like two miles by two miles they usually use. And then you know what to expect. Like if it looks sort of like feng shui, like where to put the house and where to put the pool and things like the parking lot if it's a commercial structure. Uh, and then there's uh, another way where just from the incorporation of a city, it will have its own, or, or the country will have its own chart. And then you can look at that chart compared to the person's chart of what will that be like for that individual if they were to relocate in that city. So when we went on our honeymoon, we went to three different places. And the first place was Bali, which is like everybody's favorite place in the world. It's heavenly. It's beautiful. Um, for some reason, 
I was not the happiest camper in this spot. And the second we moved, we went to Tokyo, which is like super hectic, not anywhere you would imagine being on your honeymoon. <laughs> I was like really happy. And that was sort of my first, I thought, I wonder, because it was totally, it was weird. I found it very depressing in Bali. I was surrounded by all these beautiful things. This wasn't for me. And then we started noticing, like, whenever we went to Colorado, like, my husband has, like, a really great time whenever he's there. And we started thinking more about it. And it's really fascinating and something cool to look into. Like, if you're in a place and maybe you're stuck or... Well, you have really scary going. planets going on for Bali. So... Ah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You have I your know. most challenging planet, Saturn, is uh, yeah. really affecting that part of Indonesia. And you probably would not have a good time in the Philippines either. Uh, oh, but then you've got, yeah, you've got real different energy uh, happening when uh, you've got Venus, your best planet, uh, along the uh, northern, the eastern northern part of Japan, but it would still influence Tokyo for sure. So it would be a really very different experience. Where else did you go? Was Colorado? Is that what you were um, saying? On our Yeah, we, we go to Colorado really frequently. In um, Colorado, you have the sun and Jupiter, which beautiful energies. So you're going to feel, I don't know what you said, whether you liked it or not, but you should have felt great. And, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I have, like, hundreds of ideas. I have, like, Expansive ideas for days. And, yeah. Yes. Like, I kind of go there and I get all of my ideas, but I don't really work very much. I just, like, write them down. And then I come home and I put them all into practice in Houston where I'm far less inspired, but, like, I seem to get a lot done here. Yeah. I don't know if you're, that sounds right. You have Jupiter I, <laughs> uh, running uh, through Houston, uh, okay. so it's a great place uh, for you to keep learning and uh, reaching into the unknown. So it's also where you're going to have very strong connection to your past lives because Jupiter is in your 12th house of past lives. So the memories of them come up. It's also a great place for uh, you to explore psychology or therapy uh, or your psychic ability uh, or talk to dead friends and relatives. All good in Houston for you. Oh, great. I have not tried to reach out to my dead friends and relatives, but um, maybe I will. But I have definitely done some psychological um, exploration, for sure. Well, you and have I Jupiter ruling your relationship with dead people, so they should all be uh, pretty positive for you. That's really interesting. I have to look more at ruling my rel Okay, so... I don't have, like, I'm knocking on wood right now. I have, like, a couple of grandparents who passed away. But thank God um, that's, it's almost limited to that in my, like, immediate circle. Um, but it's funny. I named my daughter Violet after my um, grandmother, my maternal grandmother, and my, um, my, sorry, she's named after my paternal grandmother. And then her middle name is after my maternal grandmother. Her middle name is May. And the whole time I was planning on naming her Violet May, um, I felt like my <laughs> maternal grandmother was very angry with me and I couldn't understand <laughs> why. I'm like, I, I'm like, I, I'm using your name. Like, why are you mad? Your first name was Phyllis. I can't name a kid Phyllis. I don't know what you want from me. And then she was born and like, and we're Jewish. So like in the Jewish tradition, you don't tell anyone your kid's name until your baby's born. Right. So we told everyone that her name was Violet May, and my aunt was like, oh, my God, like, Phyllis hated her middle name. She wouldn't tell anybody what it was, <laughs> and, like, she was horrified by it. She dropped it immediately when she got married, and I was like, oh, shit. Like, You're like, if only I thought to is. talk to her. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering why. I guess 
she was trying to talk to me because I'd be walking around my house and I have like paintings that she gave me and like I would literally feel her like looking at me like she was mad. And I'm like, I don't understand. Why? <laughs> but anyway, I think she's forgiven me. I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm pretty sure she's forgiven me. But we'll see. So tell me more about kids. If you, this isn't in my list of questions for you. So if it's not something you want so to get into. In, your, uh, in anyone's chart, um, there's a general area that has to do with one's children. Uh, for you, you have the Sun, Mercury, and Pluto there. So children are going to be a huge part of your life. And it's children in general. It's the fifth house, but it's more specific to the first child. And then the seventh house uh, is more specific to the second child, the ninth house, the third, and the eleventh house, the fourth, and the first house, the fifth. And if you keep going, uh, the third house for the sixth child and then you're back to the beginning if you have seven children it's the fifth house again but you can mm. um, see a lot uh, about how your children will be by looking at that location that corresponds if you um well, I mean, you would probably have your children's birth info, but if, let's say, you, you wanted to know about somebody else's children, you could pick them out uh, according to their birth order. So birth order is very important in knowing who's who uh, when you're figuring out. Even if you wanted to know, let's say, about your maternal grandmother's sister, and there were a lot of kids, but just one sister, so you would know uh, mother is fourth house, then mother's mother would be four houses away for the seventh house, and then her siblings in general would be three houses away, because that's always siblings, which would be the ninth house, and that would tell you about all her siblings in general, but if you had the exact birth order of that sibling, you would keep counting around the chart till you found it, and that would tell you all about that person, and it would also, you could say, uh, I want to know about the relationship between my grandmother and that particular sibling, so you would look for the planets in each of those areas and whether they get along or not. So if you saw, let's say, for two living people, that they didn't necessarily get along, like let's say there were, you saw siblings in a chart that didn't necessarily get along and you're doing the reading for the parents, um, that's something that, like, the parent then could know about that in advance and potentially redirect that? Or is it often, like, that's really about the kids and, and their life and their destiny and you kind of leave it at that? I think you can definitely have conversations to or ask them questions that help them to understand what is it they want or or don't like about what's happening with their sibling because maybe they're just having a reaction and it's so strong they can't sit to get to what is it that I really want from this person and mm. could I find a way to create that for myself without having to come from my sibling. I think it's interesting. Very helpful. But then I believe astrology is helpful for everything. I'm kind of biased. So I kind of agree with you, actually. I think it's super. I think the thing that blocks anyone, like maybe from exploring it, is like, oh my gosh, what if I find out? Like my kids don't get along, and like, but it's not that. It's like it's a tool. It's like, hey, this is something you can look at or look out for, and maybe find another way around it that you wouldn't have thought of. It's true. Previously. Um, but you know? there is that problem as you learn more about astrology. You know, of, like in my chart it looked like uh, my first child would die. And so oh, no. I was, you know, I calculated when that would be. I know, I was just so insane. And uh, prepared for it. And then on that day, my dog died. My three-year-old oh. dog died out of nowhere. And 
I love that dog, but over my child, you know, any day Oh, of my the week, God. You're probably, like, relieved. I would be like, oh, my God, it's you. I, like, I, can't. I couldn't even get to it. And then I realized, oh, of course, the son, my first child, is in the area of pets. Oh, my God. You know, it's just like. Oh, my God. I I didn't think of that being a possibility. So there's, and then my daughter later said, I feel so much closer to you, Mommy. And I was like, oh. I was like, oh. She was like three or something at the time? Like She was seven, but. Um, seven? I was, oh, my God. You must have been, like, all over her. You I, must have, well, like, you would think, right? But I was sort of holding myself. I was getting ready, you know, for the loss. Oh, my God. So, yeah, it really wasn't good wow. for her. I mean, I, I was outwardly. Yeah doing everything that seems like what you should do as a good mother, but inwardly, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can get through this, was my thought I kept having. I don't know if I can get through this. How am I going to deal with this? It was about me, you know, rather than her. Yeah. Uh, well, if you see that on somebody else's chart, like, I think I read on your website, like, if you don't, like, if you want to know Don't ask me if you don't want to do know. Don't ask <laughs> if you don't want to know. Right, right. Because I would never, I can tell you right now, like, I, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, you know what I didn't okay. touch on is, I didn't yeah. touch on, um, that when you're an astrologer is looking at the chart, they're looking for a theme. They're looking for, oh, I'm, I guess I should just speak for myself, but you, you kind of are sitting with it almost meditatively for a minute to allow the pattern that you're seeing. I mean, it's a mandala that you're looking at, a chart is, and you're um, letting the pattern that's there, the relationships, the angles between the planets kind of come together and in a way talk to you. Uh, because when you look at all these little symbols uh, on a chart, uh, you, you need to give them some sort of personality so that you can hold them all in your brain at the same time. And so it helps if you just think of them as people that live inside of your, your client's psyche and that your job is to figure out what each of these people is like and then how they all interact together. So for instance, like you have a nighttime chart and the moon is going to be very important because you have a nighttime chart and the moon's in Aquarius and it's in your eighth house. So as we talked about, that's really good for a podcast or a talk show host. Uh, the moon likes to work at night. Uh, so it really like a, a t an evening talk show slot. Uh, it also hmm. is really good at making others feel safe. It's in Aquarius, which rules friends and media personalities and audiences, but also being objective. And then the eighth house is about being able to connect uh, to others in a personal way and discover new information. It rules research. And Aquarius is very friendly, so no one really suspects that they're going to reveal all their secrets to you on, on your show. So when you see that in the chart, um, you would naturally imagine, well, that client's moon is kind of a sort of a mischievous, but very friendly, very loving, very easygoing woman that others just naturally open up to. So you'd have like, okay, there's that one. And you go around and um, there's like nine other points and planets, asteroids that you're dealing with. And you get a sense of these people that are there in the chart and which ones get along and, and which ones do not. So in your chart, uh, the planet Mars is at the very top of your chart and uh, it's in the area of career and the world. 
and your ascendant, it's at two degrees Aries, and your ascendant's at two degrees Cancer. So there's an exact 90 degree angle there, which can be very stressful. And so Cancer just likes a process. It wants you to just let things unravel, and it really wants a family. Uh, it's very important as part of your journey that you have a family. And your Mars in Aries is very independent, and it uh, likes leadership, and it likes to be in charge, and um, it's very concerned about um, ethics and uh, morality. And so huh. to the extent that you don't make time for that, you're likely to bring a man into your life that will hold that energy. So I kind of assume your husband holds that energy being a leader and he's a, and also this 10th house is about government and the world and being you know, singling himself out for a job. But that's there in your chart too. That's there for you to embrace. So uh, your Mars, which shows up very much as a warrior in your chart, is real different than your soft maternal planets, which you have quite a few of. But over time, you want to integrate the very independent um, stands alone at times, can, can need time to oneself uh, planet as well. Wow, that's like amazing. I don't think I heard all that last time I spoke with you. Well, you know astrology. You can always talk more and more about it. It never ends. Yeah. It's very frustrating as an astrologer. There's always more to learn. You're like, oh, no, really? There's another book? Okay. <laughs> <A> must read. <laughs> There's always more you can, like, dig into. Well, There's I always more. Funny, because I, I left when I graduated from college. I mean, I went to school for broadcast journalism. I was completely obsessed with my career, my future career. It was all I wanted was to start. I wanted to you know, I wanted to be Oprah, basically. But I was going to start off anchoring in a small town and, like, work my way up, basically, just like she did. And I was, like, sending my tape out to, like, Billings, Montana and, like, the middle of nowhere in Idaho. And I just, I was in a relationship at, like, my first really great, healthy relationship with a man. And I realized, I knew I didn't want to marry him, but it made me really understand that I wanted a family and that I didn't want my life to be work all the time. And um, just at the final hour, I basically decided, like, I'm going to go home to Houston and I'm going to get, like, a nine-to-five job and I'm going to start my own business and I'm going to do all the things that I really want to do but after I start a family because I want a family more than anything else. And, you know, growing up, like, my mom was very, very career-focused, so this wasn't even something I ever thought of as being normal, that I would want a family or want kids. And um, that was right when I met that psychic. She said, you're about to meet my, meet your husband. I was like, well, I must have known that because I just, like, <laughs> threw every plan I've ever made out the window to meet somebody I've never met before. I mean, people must have thought I was totally insane. Um, and then I met Ben, and I was like, oh, there you are. Um, and 10 months later, we were engaged. So I have, you know, we have, I have two kids now, and it's been such an interesting thing for me to, like, you know, I'm in the world of motherhood now, and um, it's, like, it's so easy for being a mother to become your identity. Um, and I could see why that happens um, with so many of us because it's all-encompassing. Um, but understanding that, like, there, all those parts of me that existed before I was a mother are still there, that sort of Mars energy that you discussed. Yeah. I often feel like I'm swinging, like, kind of going from one side to the other, like there's, like, a switch. And I find that lately they're definitely more integrated. Um, I think this quarantine has really helped me with that, to understand, like, I can be a great mom and also really care about my career and it's not one or the other. Um, and that's, you know, isn't that kind of what so many moms, I feel like, are trying to 
figure out right now. Well, you're a good role model for that. Because Thank you. you have this so strongly in your chart, and one way to look at it is, oh, that's very stressful, trying to achieve that balance and be in the world and be a mom. Um, but because it's foremost in your chart, it's the one of the strongest dynamics of your chart, uh, you're the perfect person to share the process you're going through with finding balance with that. I love it. Thank you. My goodness, this has been so wonderful. I feel like I've gotten my own mini reading here in this in this. In this well, it should be the benefit for the interviewer. You know? Oh, I'm so grateful. Thank you. Um, I'm so grateful. So I'm not, my last question for you, and I know how I put it to use when I had my initial reading with you, but tell me just generally, once somebody has a reading with you, what is the best way for them to proceed after they have all this new information? I wouldn't rush because there's not going to be that many changes, and it's very easy to uh, get addicted to astrology. I think astrologers go through this themselves. Like, you can't leave your own chart alone. You, know, you just want to <laughs> keep finding everything there is. Uh, yep. And also, you don't want to just swallow everything the astrologer has said, because that's a human, and no matter how good the astrologer is, they're never going to know what's best for you more than you know what's best for you. So you want to give yourself some time to digest it, and, and it's exciting. You take it in, and then you kind of weigh it and and get to your own place with it. And then you need to let some time go uh, for the planets to move. You know, so we, we right. think about it, uh, you know, usually like uh, checking in uh, once a year or twice a year is, is certainly enough. Uh, but the best use is usually if you have something coming up and you know about it in advance. And there's an aspect of astrology called electional astrology, which does not have to do with politics the way it sounds. In fact, politics is mundane astrology, so really seems different than what one would think. But in electional astrology, you are choosing the best the most ideal chart to begin something or launch something or to get pregnant or to get married or to get a divorce or to uh, sign for the house or to start a new corporation. And that event then has its own chart and you get all of the benefits of that. Like so often I've had people who are like, how can I save this dying business? And it will look like end it and start new or, or start a new mm. corporation and transfer everything into that so you have a new chart and it's a lot of hassle to do that but when they do that then whoa suddenly oh my gosh we're, we're expanding we have to my biggest problem now is finding good people I've got to employ all these people so that's a really good use of it. The other part is to take a good look at what's going on with the north node in the chart uh, more deeply because you're only going to cover so much in initial reading. And the north node will point to what is the theme that the individual can grow the most from. It's usually the thing we know is good for us, but we don't really want to do it. And it's where we have the least experience in our past lives. And what the North Node is, it is the bisection of the Moon's orbit of the Earth with the Earth's orbit of the Sun, where those two orbits bisect in alignment with the North Pole of the Moon. And it is important in all systems of astrology, actually, but it speaks
speaks to where is your greatest growth going to come from, your greatest fulfillment. And then the south node, uh, the opposite of that, the other side of the bisection of the two orbits, shows where you have had a lot of past life activity already. So this is another area to show you, as the astrologer, a theme for that individual of what have they already been knocking out for their past lives, and they don't really need more experience with that, although it's what the individual will gravitate towards. So for instance, in yours, um, writing is a theme for your past lives, communication and writing and explaining things and working hard to get clarity uh, about um, about what issues are. Uh, so to, to help discern, okay, this is uh, about this matter and this is about this matter so everybody can be very clear, like, what are we voting for? It's, it's sort of like that. You have mm. a lot of past life experience in that. And in this lifetime, uh, your north node is in Pisces, so you're really going into the unknown and psychic stuff and spiritual things. And so you're going to have a blending of all your past experience, past lives in communication, and then in this lifetime to do a lot of exploration into the unknown and, and, and it's in the ninth house, which uh, has to do with theories and philosophies and, uh, and also being psychic. And, and you know, you're already doing this. I mean, you're already on that path. Um, but that helps. It's a good use of an additional reading. Um, the other thing that I think is really uh, helpful is to uh, take a look at what is Chiron up to in the chart. So Chiron, um, this new planet we have since 1977 with the wobbly orbit that's now kind of a regular orbit, uh, will tell you about your very last lifetime. Not everybody wants to know about their last lifetime, but I think it's helpful because um, the way it shows up in your chart is to help you understand that what you may associate as the trauma of this lifetime didn't start in this lifetime. It's very helpful and forgiving. That was mind-blowing for me. So it was, like, really interesting. And I think it's a real helpful addition when someone's in therapy and it, you're searching for the cause in this lifetime and you just start thinking, well, I guess it was worse than I thought it was, or I guess it was subliminal communications, or I guess it was intentions that maybe I need to investigate a little bit further. But then you look at the chart and it shows up, no, this is really a strong occurrence from your last lifetime that you are healing in this lifetime. So you have to have somewhat similar circumstances or interactions at some point to bring it up out of the depths, to uh, activate it, make it conscious. And, and then oftentimes the person may have gone into therapy and they're confronting family members or, uh, or I've even had clients that are family members, they say, that never happened. So do I just say, please forgive me, acknowledge it? I don't know how to move on because I know that never happened. Uh, and I and I want my child to be whole and happy and healthy. And the therapist is saying, I you know need to acknowledge this and um, and apologize. And uh, and so you know there's going to be some degree of that because perhaps that person was part of making it conscious. But there's also the side of what a blessing that person is. They're playing this role out for us uh, so we can heal from what happened in the last lifetime. 
and we're wanting to forgive them and we can't get there, but we think of, wow, probably it's a, a soul that we hold near and dear uh, to our hearts that we said, look, I really want to work through this huge trauma. Would you be willing to be my father or my mother or my sister? Uh, and then when I show up later, uh, you, you know, we'll have some interaction uh, kind of painful that brings us up and they'd say, I'll do that for you. And so for many years, I, I was also doing hypnotherapy and uh, all these past life regressions, sometimes that would spontaneously show up. And then afterwards, I go look at the chart and it's like, there's Karen, okay. Um, and this individual can really get to this place of being able to move forward, knowing, all right, um, that's the past. And I really just needed to process it and be able to move forward. It's amazing. It's like, I mean, we think about, we think about people in our lives, like from our childhood, causing us pain and then that being brought up by people who show up later in our lives. But we rarely zoom even further out and think that the people in our childhood could actually have been bringing things up from before we got here this time around. Yeah. It's, I, like, it's something I never really considered. Like, I thought about it, but not really in the same way. And then now it's like, how could you not consider it? It's like once you kind of see it, it's, you can't unsee it. I it's sort of like all of astrology. Yeah. 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 I mean, people listening to this, if you've like never considered astrology before, it might be like, oh my God, what are you even talking about? But now that I look at my life, it's just like this series of connections and lessons, and it's impossible to look at it any differently. It's like completely, you can't, yeah. It feels very like, freeing to me. I don't know if it feels that way to you, but it feels very freeing. 100%. Yes. And I feel, like, safer and, like, more taken care of um, in a lot of ways. Just, like, I feel very held by all of it. That, like, it's all, it's like the whole journey is ultimately a healing journey. That it's, it's exactly good. It's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. Life is great. Life is great. I love that. I love that. And I think I think you answered the big question, um, which was my last question, which was, does it look optimistic for humankind as we move forward? And you seem to be pretty optimistic. Oh, it looks so great. Have babies. Looks good. Have babies. I, I love it. I think that we're going to have, um, like in the animal kingdom, species that we thought were gone are going to start showing up. And uh, same with the plant kingdom. We've got huge renewal uh, energy in process right now uh, in mid-20s we'll uh, see so many great things we'll be like wow I'm so glad I'm I'm here to experience all this yeah uh, you know it's a beautiful place to be I think we go through a lot to get here we go through a lot to be born here don't want to waste it don't waste it. It's amazing. I, oh, I think about the messages we get, like, from the media and everything around us, and it's like, imagine if we just, like, all heard what you just said and believed it. There's so much beauty in that, you know? Like, well, maybe we're so supposed to have people that don't believe it, you know, so we have. Yeah. Well, it's like, okay. if, you're, if you're making a movie, you got to have some spice in there. You know, like yeah, there's <laughs> definitely some spice here. You want some spice? Come to Earth. We've got lots of spice. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you so much, Stephanie Jordan. You're amazing. I'm so grateful to have had you on the show. And you are um, the, are you the, you're the founder of Higher Self Communication. Correct. Well, that's mostly me. Yes, that's mostly you. Mostly and, and me, and there's some, and there's some others. Yeah. So okay. uh, we've got. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of me, but it's also numerology <laughs> and tarot 
and something called archetypal therapy, which uh, is a technique that Carl Jung came up with, uh, and it's where you imagine going into your head, into your psyche, to talk to the planet. So essentially, you walk into a cave, which is your mouth, and then you hang a left through the ear canal, but you're just imagining you're going through a passageway, and then you turn right, and you go into your pituitary gland, and you meet the energy of the pituitary gland as your inner guide. And your mm. inner guide, uh, and you're imagining you're in a clearing in a forest, and will have the energy from the sun come down as a person and talk to you, and if you have issues with the sun, you can work that out, and then they have, they'll have the moon come in, and they'll have Mercury and the Venus, and, and you get to talk to them. So that's actually a great thing to do after you've had a chart uh, read so that you're not at the mercy of trying to figure it all out. You can just go in there one-on-one -on -one and talk to them and find out what they need. You don't want to do too much of that at a time. It's pretty intense because they'll usually ask for something very specific. And if you don't do it, they get mad and, and decide they're not going to listen to you and just do what they want to do. But if you do do what they ask, then uh, sometimes we're not prepared for so many good things. And life shifts. And uh, it can be uh, unsettling. Uh, but that's also that's part of higher self communications. And uh, and also the astrocartography, and also chart synastry, where you compare people's charts. Should these two be getting married? That kind of thing, or uh, or should you be reincorporating and electional? Anyway, starting to ramble. Yes, thank you. I did start it, and um, I knew from an early age that was what I was going to do. And then I had a high school counselor and all her well-intentioned ways tell me banking was the future. So I did get a little sidetracked. But then um, <laughs> I did the bank newsletter and put in an astrology imagine. column. <laughs> so. Oh, my God. I can't. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Well, I look back. I had to make my Saturn happy because it wanted banking experience. So I'm like, okay. Okay. <laughs> we did I that one. It. Yeah. Um, I get it. I mean, I've been watching, like, all this true crime TV lately. My husband's like, why? Why are you watching, like, somebody get murdered and, like, actually interested in when? I'm like, I think maybe, like, I have, like, in my future self, I'll be, like, a forensic expert or something because I can't stop watching Dateline or maybe I'm just like everybody else. That is a past life for you. No, that is a past life because Mercury, which rules your 12th house of past lives, is next to the sun for entertainment, is next to Pluto, which has to do with death and understanding death and analyzing death and getting into all the details of death. Oh, I'm like a death. That's so funny. Yes. So that, that's you connecting back to when you were a coroner before. I have to. I was a coroner. Okay. I have to tell Ben because he's totally freaked out that I can't stop watching these murder shows. It's fun like, for I you. I don't understand. Oh, I'm like addicted. I'm like, I always, we have one TV in our house and it's downstairs. Yeah. And we like share it. If we're not watching the same thing, we have to like share. And I'm like, can I watch my Dateline? <laughs> he doesn't even want it on when like he's, if he's an earshot, he's like, I don't want to hear this. This is horrible. He doesn't have that past life. <laughs> no, he does not have that. He's like, I, he cannot understand. And meanwhile, you're like, 
and then what happened? You know? oh, man, I just want to like watch. I could watch them like all day. Oh, you'd be happy. You'd be so yeah. happy. Yeah. That's and you don't so have funny. any planets that object to that. So for you, it's a win-win. But <laughs> <It's like, laughs> I read murder going. mystery like like I read murder mystery books as well, and I I ask my I'm like, why am I so into this? Like it is a little weird. But you're probably like comparing past techniques. You know, oh. you're probably oh here's what they do now. That would have been interesting to have had back then. <laughs> okay, I, that is that is so fascinating. That makes a lot of sense. Now I don't feel quite as crazy. Stephanie, thank you so much. Thank you. You have been wonderful. Oh, Lord, um, it's been all, so fun. Oh, I'm so grateful to have had you and all of you. I will put all of Stephanie's um, information in the show notes if you want to check her out and make an appointment with her. Um, you've been listening to Look My No Hands. I'm your host, Laura Maxrose, and I look forward to joining you again next time. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Look Ma No Hands. I'm Laura Max Rose, and you can follow me on Instagram at Laura Max Rose to stay up to date on upcoming episodes and the behind the scenes of my life with my own two daughters. If you like this episode and are enjoying Look Ma No Hands, the best way you can help me spread the word is to leave a review on Apple Podcast. This is the single best way to help me reach a larger audience and share these conversations with everyone who needs to hear them. If you love something you just heard, you can also take a screenshot of the episode and share it on social media. There might be someone you know who needs to hear what you just heard, and that's another great way to make sure they do. Thank you for joining me every week. I'm grateful for each and every one of you. More next time. Mom.